Supported by Chandana. Ah, hello everybody. Welcome to Talking About. Uh, I'm uh, alone without Joe today because uh, he decided that uh, he does not know too much about uh, Indian tabla players. <laughs> no. This is episode 8 of Talking About. Um, we hope you will enjoy the conversation we're going to be having with the one and only, as far as I'm concerned, the one and only Prakash Kandasamy. Uh, of Malaysia, the great tabla player. So, Prakash, welcome. Thank you, Farida. Thank And, you. Uh, you know, we have been uh, friends for a long, long time. I mean, although I'm uh, a few decades older than you, yeah. but I have, we have uh, crossed paths, we have worked together, we even know, I even know your family, yes. your My beloved uncle. Uncle, late uncle, uh, um, Kedas, and so on. And the name Prakash Kandasamy and the tabla is for me very synonymous of great Indian music. Would you like to tell us and the audience, the young and the not so young, how did it start for you? Okay, so I, um, I was born in Penang and My, Penang? Yes, I'm a Penang person. Oh my God, wonderful. <laughs> I see 07. The best. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in, in uh, 1973, I was born and then my parents moved back here in 75. And they, in fact, came in touch with, uh, with a, uh, what do you call a Swami or a Sanyasi from India. His name is Swami Shantanan Saraswati, who uh, had a small prayer group which where we all attended regularly, you know, for prayers and bhajans, which are devotional songs. And uh, my whole family was very devoted to him. And then in 1981, he started the Temple of Fine Arts as, uh, ah, yes, as the, founder. the founder of the Temple of Fine Arts. I see. Because what he found was that in a young country like Malaysia, uh, the Indian diaspora, which was here, would be kind of losing out on their roots and to know a little bit more of their culture. Mm. So in order to do that, you he needed the leadership. He needed a leadership and needed someone to bring all these people together. And with the help of Gopal Shetty and his wife Radha, my old friends, your old friends, yes, dancing in the lake gardens. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, Shivadas and Vatsala. Yeah, the two, of course. Two dancing couples. Yes. He formed the Temple of Fine Arts in 1981, which was with a bunch of teachers who were not professionally uh, doing music but who had learned music uh, seriously. And they were the ones who started doing music and dance classes. So it happened both at the same time, music and dance? Yes. We had another great music, our first music director of the Temple of Fine Arts who's passed away. He used to work for the Indian station in RKM, the Indian channel. Uh, his name was Nagaswami Bhagavadar. Mm. Uh, he, he's known to all the Indian musicians Uh, here in Malaysia. And he Olesen. worked in Radio Malaya? He worked in Radio oh. Malaya and he was actually uh, composing music and he also gave talks on comparative music between film music and classical music, Indian classical music. So he was the music director, the first music director and uh, there was Suresh Ramachandran, my first tabla teacher. He was the teacher for Murdangam and Tabla, which is the Indian percussion. And uh, there were a few other, Sivamani Salaya, who is the vocal teacher. Uh, so many so they all came together. They all came together because of the belief of this man, yes. this Swami, 
yes. who came from India. He came from India. Ah. And what his main idea was as we as we grew and we, we heard him speak about the arts, he had a very unique approach about the arts. I mean, for most people, arts was entertainment alone. It was mainly entertaining and moving, right? But he also had uh, a, spiritual. a spiritual aspect to it. I mean, not religious. I think ah. you shouldn't confuse yeah, the both. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the spiritual yeah. aspect of it, yes, was that the pursuit and the serious um, practice and the achieving of certain skills in the arts was akin to a spiritual practice. It was like meditation. It was right. meditative. You right. had to get into a state of Zen yeah, in order yeah, to yeah. go on playing and getting skills into your, your mind and in your hand. And that devotion you had, his idea was being devoted doesn't matter who you're devoted, what you're devoted to, as long as the devotion creates in you something good and something beautiful, then you are on the right track. So arts is, is an expression of the divine in his, wow. in his uh, ideas. And we grew up listening to these uh, things. And he was also someone who was not confined to just Indian music or dance. He was so open to other cultures. We had dance dramas which he, he led by, by asking Gopal Shetty, Master Gopal Shetty and Master Shivadas and uh, Radha Shetty and Vasla Shivadas to come up with, like Swan Lake. Ah. Uh, Chakarsi Swan Lake. But we used it, we used Indian music and we, we also Indian used, dance. we also used a bit of the original score. And then we had, uh, Lady White Snake, which is a Chinese, uh, yeah, Lady White Snake. Legend, Masuri. Yeah. Ramayana in ASEAN style. How long ago was this? Uh, this was a long time ago. 19, okay, I can remember 86 or 87 was the first one which we did was Swan Lake. Sorry, before that, 84, we did Jonathan Livingston Seagull, Richard Beck's story, which obviously loved the, the soundtrack by Neil Diamond. So international. Yeah, so wow. way back in 84, which is like what, uh, 30, 38 years ago. You know, it's a long time ago for someone to think so forward and bring everything together. So we grew up, I grew up, and a lot of us grew up in this uh, environment yeah, from the young. Belief. And that belief, and it was just, I didn't know anything else. This was, this was it. I mean, this was true, as true as can be. No one was there to tell us any, any other thing, right? Ah. So, I, I mean, you call it brainwashing, whatever you want to call it. But of course, I, I live in the society. I live today. I, I, I flourish. And it's, it's not the things which are put into my head or my psyche were not bad, I know, right? Uh, they were encompassing. They were, you know, allowing everyone to come into the, the fold of what is beautiful. What is, whether it's music or dance, whether Western, whether ballet. They can choose what they want for themselves. Correct. It's, there's no such thing as, you know, you have to yeah, learn yeah, yeah, Indian yeah. music and that yeah, Indian yeah, yeah, music yeah, yeah. is very spiritual. Absolutely. No, no, no. Ah, nothing like that. Nothing like wonderful. that. Wonderful. Yes. What a free spirited, that's right. Uh, thinking yes. of grouping of people. Yes. And people who were not so young, people who were kind of elderly. Yes. Had this understanding yep. that can spread. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I was actually, my, my dad, my dad is not a musician. He was always, he was working for Bank Nagara in those days. And he always loved Indian music, classical Indian music. And he wanted, he learned violin, Indian violin sitting on the floor. And he made my brother start also learning. My elder brother, who is a dancer, Shankar Kandasamy, he made him also learn violin. He was very good. And when I was eight, my, my father wanted me to start. So I did start learning Indian classical uh, music on violin. Ah. Right? Uh, at the age of eight, I was a very 
bad student of the subject. <laughs> so, and, and at age of 11, I started learning Bharatanatyam dancing at Temple of Fine Arts. Ah. So, that I was, I was somehow, uh, my, my teacher really loved me and even till today, she, she's <laughs> very proud of me, uh, Vasuki Sivanesan. Right. And uh, so, she, she was someone I really looked up to and she taught me, uh, you know, very well. And uh, all the teachers kind of liked me for my dancing at that point. And a good student. I was a good student. Polite, and I managed okay. to pick up. I managed to pick up, right? So I was blessed with uh, something. Okay. And then when I was 16, Temple of Fine Arts, you know, at that, in those days, of course, the money was different value. We only paid 25 ringgit a month and you could learn two subjects. Uh, so you could learn, uh, say, dance and vocal music or dance and an instrument. 25 a 25 month. ringgit a month. Of course, in those days, the salaries were lower. The buying power was more of the ringgit, you know, so it was different. We're still selling at 25 ringgit, incidentally, Prakash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But what happened was, uh, I decided, I said, you know what, there's this tabla class. And all my friends joined the tabla class. So I decided, hey, let me just try it. I mean, there was no real inclination towards it. Right. I just thought, okay, let's try my hand at it lah. Yeah, but, but the good thing about that was also, Prakash, probably, yeah. the fact that you paid a little, even yes. though it was a little, you yes. paid that's right. to that's learn. Right. And I think, yeah. I think that's, what you're saying is absolutely true. And uh, I will come to that uh, aspect of the, the fees and things yeah. like that and how it affects learning yeah. to a great degree. Um, so I started learning and my teacher was Suresh uh, Ramachandran, my first teacher, who is a fantastic person. He is a brilliant academician. He's a, he's a accountant and he was a gold medalist from the Colombo University in, in Sri Lanka. He was a refugee in Malaysia at that point. And uh, he was teaching at UITM in Malaysia for accountancy. And uh, he was teaching Murdangam and Tabla. So I, for me, he was a, my, like, you know, God sent. God sent. So I started learning. And the sad thing was when I started, my friends, or sad thing for me, my friends, who were joining the class with me had already learned the barrel drum, Murdangam, which is South, mm. South Indian drum. Mm. So when they struck the instrument on, on tabla, there was a sound they were getting. And I, as a brand new novice who had nothing, no background, when I struck, I was 16, zero sound, <laughs> almost zero. So when I watched them and I was like, oh my God, I can't get the sound, you know, it's not reacting to me, the instrument. So I went for about a month and a half or something for class, just went, tried my, and I didn't even have a tabla. In those days, it was not easy to, to purchase one. So I, I didn't even have a tabla to practice. So after one and a half months, I, or two months or something like that, I told my teacher, I said, sir, you know, I think I want to give up. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can do this. I don't want to take your time. But I think he saw something in me, which I, I couldn't see at that point. And he said, no, okay, if you want to take a break, take a break. And I know you don't have a tabla, so you take this tabla home, this pair, and you, you keep it with you, and then you keep practicing whatever I've taught you, and you come back. If you feel like coming back and return it, or if you want to join. So, you know, those days, Form 4, I was in Form 4, the honeymoon year before SPM. Right? <laughs> so my mom's a school teacher, and she used to tell, study, Prakash, study, SPM next year, SPM next year. And I was using tabla as an excuse to not study. I would just, every few minutes, go into the room, the uh... other room, and... And practice just your practice. Tongue. Try to get that one sound right, first, you know. Right. And my mother was shouting outside, oh, what's that? and I used this as an escape, escape, escape. And then after about three months, I decided to go back and give the tabla back. I said, no lah, you know, 
Oh. So I went you back. You gave up. I gave up. But when I went to a class, my teacher told me, okay, sit down, join the class today. Wow. Let's see what you have done. What a precious this. teacher you've you I had. swear, I swear, without him, I would have given up. And I started playing and I got a shock because I could play with the rest. And I was getting a sound and I was, I was, hey, I, I can do this. Hey, yeah, you can do this. It's not too bad. You can do it. Come on. Just, just continue your class. And then my brother went to India for something. He bought me a tabla. At that time, it was easier to, when you buy it from there. So I had a tabla at home. And, uh, you know, the funny thing was, form four, this is another story. I'm just going to divert a little bit. No, it's okay. I have a friend, an Indian Muslim friend, uh, Rauf, Abu Rauf. He's my close friend from, from childhood. We were neighbors. We used to walk to school together. His house is near mine. We always play in each other's place. So I was in a floating class in those days in Abdul Samad, my school. And we didn't have a classroom. We had a, the science lab as the classroom. So the formica top, the white formica top, I had taken a compass and I had drawn a circle, three circles, like, like the top of the tabla here, the three right, circles, right, right? Right, right? I drew it approximately. And then in class, at the edge of the table, I would be practicing on the table in school. So you know what I call that instrument? <laughs> tabla. <laughs> so that was my first instrument, that was a tabla. And then I managed to get a real tabla, right? So my, my brother had bought me this tabla and then I started practicing. And I remember my friend, it is 1989, my friend Ralph tells me in the class, hey, you always banging the table like this. I'm telling you, uh, you're not concentrating on your studies. <laughs> Ten years from now, you're going to be doing the same thing, you know. He just told me this kind of prediction, you know. And sure I enough... I hope that friend is still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's well and alive. He's my age. And he, he, he saw me ten years later, literally 1999, he saw me and I had gone to India, study tabla, come back. And he saw me, he said, so what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what you predicted. <laughs> he said, what? Really? I said, yeah, I'm still playing the tabla. So he said, okay, great. And, and um, so from there, um, from there, so I started learning and then I got really excited about the instrument and blah, blah, blah. And then my, that I, you know, this, he, you know, there's this Sufi saying, I don't know, you might have heard it in Sufism, they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And this happened to me in, in real life because, um, you know, I used to learn and then I used to listen to cassettes of music and I used to wonder, because there's no videos in those days, much video cassettes, how did they play certain things? And I was always curious, right? Yeah, in, so when awe, I, yeah. yeah, when I learned, I just show you a little bit, when I learned on my left hand, I only learned using one finger, that is this, this stroke, this is called gay. And I learned this one finger, I did not learn to use this finger, right? So when I heard someone playing something very fast with the left hand, I used to think, how is he doing it with one finger? It's so fast. And I used to try. And what I used to do, go crazy. And I you know at 16, you're full of life. I used to practice trying to get that one finger going really fast. I, 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 because I didn't know you could use this finger. I didn't even know. Right? And my teacher had not taught me that because he himself had learned one finger. And he did just learned a very little bit of tabla. He didn't learn deeply into tabla. So it was so funny. There was an applicant for someone to come and teach tabla from India, from Mumbai. His name was Avinash Pawar. So he came down and they were all saying, hey, where are we going to put him up to stay, you know? So my parents were always very Locked welcoming. Yeah. So they said, wow. why don't you bring him and stay? Yeah. And we were in the same room. He was about 10 years older than me. So he was of 27, around that age. And we both were sleeping in the same room. And you know, he was so hardworking. He would get up at 5 in the morning to practice. 
in my house. And I would get up at about six or seven. I was 18 at that point in Taylor's College. And I used to get up at uh, 6.30, 7 to get ready to go for class. He would wake me up earlier. He said, no, you get up earlier. I want to teach you. Teacher appears. Wow. And then he said, oh, why are you playing? Well, change this. Use this finger. Come, I teach you some exercises for this. Then on this hand, he taught me another way of placing the hand, the finger. A correct, more easier way to place the finger. And he taught me a few lessons. And I started learning. And it was amazing because for me, you know, I was thirsting for this knowledge. Right. And God sent me a teacher right, right next to me Amazing. in my room. Amazing, you know? Yeah. So when I woke up... You couldn't up, have asked for... Exactly. truly yeah. God sent. It's a God sent, yeah. right? And um, when, when he used, when I come back from college at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I could hear tabla in my house again. And my mom would say, he, this guy would be practicing from... After I leave to college, he'd be practicing after about 9 o'clock. Right. About 3 hours in the morning. Then he has his breakfast, he rests for a while, then he, he reads a bit and all that. And then in the afternoon, he would start after lunch from 2 to 4. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. So my, when I come home, I'm listening to this guy. I'm like, oh my God. I go inside the room, I sit down, I say, yeah, sit down. And I'm watching him, watching his hands, watching his everything. It's like, you know, live a concert going on in front of me. And uh, I was so grateful, you know, for this. But what happened was, you know, he was so missing home and missing Mumbai and oh. everything. And he said, you know what, I can't stay here too long. So he was here for three months. Oh. But in that three months, he taught me a lot. And then for the rest of the time, I had taken that lessons and kept on practicing. And you know, the beauty of uh, learning a skill is that even if you don't have a teacher all the time, if you are searching, yeah. your skill, your, your practice is your teacher and your instrument is your teacher. After some time, one skill leads a door to another skill. It slowly opens the door. You don't realize it. So you, sometimes it's like going on a plateau. You're going. And, and I suppose in those days, there is no visual connection that you could have with him. No right? YouTube, no, <laughs> no phone, no, no phone. There's no Zoom, Zoom nothing, can... Skype, nothing. Right? So I, I couldn't even call him because right. to call him was expensive. You right. call from the landline and, you know, why to right. call him? So you just have to believe and trust the last three months yes. have given you something. Yes, and Amazing. it did. It did because I yeah. again when you're growing, you don't realize you're growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was growing. I was growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And again, I get a teacher sent to me. Uh, okay, sorry, I forgot. Another one. Yeah, another teacher. Another teacher. I forgot to tell you this. Okay, I told you I danced. I danced. Um, yeah, yeah. Bharatanatyam, and we had a graduation, and in that graduation. Somehow, there was like 100 over of us who did it, the very first graduation. Somehow, I won an award, my first award actually, from the Temple of Fine Arts, called the Shiva Gopal Award. Shivadas Gopal Award. So, Shiva Gopal Award, uh, which was given to three people. So, there was a dancer from Singapore, Temple of Fine Arts, Sujata. Sashi, a violin prodigy, Sashidharan Nair. I think he has performed here in Kelpak. And myself for dance. I got it for dance. You got it for dance. I got it for dance. <laughs> and it came with an air ticket open to for one year. To go to India. To go to India. And this, listen to this, because I knew people in Madras or Chennai. In those days, it's called Madras. These two guys, they get Madras uh, return ticket open for a year. You can use it within a year. But I got my ticket for Mumbai. And I don't know anybody in Mumbai. Right? So I got this ticket in the end of 1990. And 1991 May, this other teacher, Ustad Usman Khan, he comes down to Malaysia to perform with his tabla player and 
other people. And I am so enamored by them. And he came from? He came from, okay, at that point, I don't know India properly. I only know Madras, <laughs> right? I, do, I only know Madras. I don't know Mumbai. I don't know what, okay. what all those, all those places about. And then he comes, he, he plays with his tabla play. And I was in Taylor's college. I used to ponting to come in the morning because they have rehearsal. I used to ponting, come there, take a bus, come there in the, in the mornings and watch them play. What did you study at Taylor? At uh, Taylor, I did the South Australian matriculation <laughs> in bioscience or something okay. like that. I, the streaming was with biology and chemistry and physics. So, when so you're also a scientist? I'm not. <laughs> well, the science of music. Right? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, what happened was, um, so I used to ponting, I used to come there and listen to them. And then when they go back after the morning practice, in the room there, I had a tabla, I used to try and imitate what I listened, right? Try to imitate, just impressionistic sounds and, and things, what I, because amazing technique that... currently called jazz. <laughs> yeah. So then this Ustad Usman Khan, his uh, sitar maestro. Yeah, famous. Yes, he one day passes by and he stays back in the place and I didn't know he stays back at Temple of Fine Arts that day. He walked past the room I was sitting in quietly and practicing and he opens the door and says, who is this? He says, again, it's like what Tamil movie, you know, it's like, <laughs> and I looked up and I said, oh my God, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know you were here. No, no, you're, you're playing nicely. Uh, okay. He just looked at me and said, okay, what's your name? I said, my name is Prakash. I said, oh, okay. Close the door and he goes off. In the evening, he's going to perform, right? So his daughter is also one of the performers. He sees me walking and I'm running around arranging the mics and the chairs and everything for them. I'm so excited to be able to watch them right, play. Right. And he says to me, uh, come, 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 come inside here. So I go inside and say, do you have a tabla? Your tabla is here? I said, yeah, I have my tabla here. Oh, just bring it and come. So I thought he wanted to use it, you know, maybe an extra pair. So I brought the tabla, I gave it to him. And I was walking, I said, no, no, wait, 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 sit down, sit down, sit down. So I said, yeah, uh, you know how to tune it? I said, no, I don't know how to tune it, okay. And he tunes it and then he says, he uses this, you know, they use this hammer and they tune on the right. sides, right? So I said, okay, play. I said, play what? I said, he tells his daughter, Rukia, you play, play the main composition, let him accompany you. So I get, I get worried, like, what's happening? You know, you're sitting in front of this mountain of a musician and right. I'm sitting there, I don't know jack, you know. And right. I, so I play, I'm 18 years old and I start playing whatever I know with her. And he says, good, okay, why don't you solo a little bit? I said, no, I don't know, I don't know anything else. I just can play this basic rhythm, you know. He said, no, you play something. I said, no, I don't know anything. I said, okay, fine. I said, uh, do you have a nice kurta after this? Because I was wearing a t-shirt, jeans, okay, or okay. sweaty. I was going to have a bath in Temple of Finance and then change. He said, do you have a kurta? I said, yes. Okay, you go and change and you're going to play with us on stage. I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. What should I play? I said, you've got a fantastic tabla player. I said, no, you're going to come. And I go to the bathroom and I'm bathing. He and saw I'm, things in you. Yeah, and I was bathing and I was thinking, oh my God, this is crazy. So I go back after my bath, I go to him, I touch his feet, which is traditional, how you pay right. respect to a guru in Indian culture. So I touch his feet and I look at him. He's standing on the stairs and I'm standing down here. So I can reach his feet and I say, I'm so sorry, Usmanji. I cannot play. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like shit scared. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he catches my face. He holds my face and he comes close to me and he says, you are playing this evening. Understand? Nothing else. 
And he's like, mesmerized, like hypnotized me, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll play. So that was my first time on stage without any kind of real preparation or learning. And he put me Thrown there. Thrown into the deep end. Thrown into the deep end. Yeah. And Swamiji, uh, Swami Shantanan Saraswati, he was in the audience and he was so happy, right? And he said, wow, Usmanji is such a great teacher. He's, he's encouraged a small boy who is just, you know, learning. So he was so happy with that, that thing that he did for me. And after the whole performance, everyone came to me and said, wow, Prakash and all that. He came up to me and said, you want to learn tabla seriously? And I said, yeah, actually I do. He said, okay, why don't you come to Pune and uh, you can stay with me. I can arrange for a good teacher for you. I said, okay, where is Pune? I had no idea. And he said, it's near Mumbai. It's four hours from Mumbai. And I said, I have a ticket. I can come. And it's like the dance that what happened there. It's all like predestined. When I look back at right, it now, right, I got right. this ticket. And at the end of that year, after my uh, matriculation at Taylor's, I decided to go. And I went with Kumar Kartigesu and with uh, Umesh Shetty, oh. uh, dancer. And we all three went and we stayed with him. Oh. And uh, he was like... And you were all teenagers? We were all teenagers. I, I was the youngest. Mm. I was 18, Kumar was 19 and Umesh was 20. Wow. Right? At that point. And uh, first time away from family, from home. How long was the surgeon? So, that time, we stayed for three months. Oh, yeah, not bad. Not bad. And then, but even more miraculous was, you know, you know of Zakir Hussain and Allah Raka. Allah Raka is Zakir Hussain's father, Ustad Allah Raka, who played with Ravi Shankar. When I went to Pune, I was under the impression that I was going to learn from the person Usmanji had brought to Malaysia to, to one, another a tabla player. Hmm. So, I thought he was going to send me to learn from him. Right? Because for me, he was like great. And you know, the shock of my life again, another blessing, in um, immense blessing was that he said, I'm going to take you to Ustad Alaraka to start classes. Wow. This is like, yeah. <laughs> it's something you never dream the of. The God of Tabla. Yeah, the God's father and the, <laughs> the yeah, father of the God of Tabla. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening here? Is this true? Am I dreaming? Am I teaching myself? You know? And I go to... His house, I'm introduced to him in Mumbai, in Mumbai and he's a very strict looking person. He was already in his 70s at that point, but uh, he was... So I had classes with him in his school in Dadar in Mumbai. So long story short, when I came back, my mind was totally in wanting to be playing tabla. How I was going to survive? Doesn't matter. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't care. I was just a very passionate a boy yeah, yeah, yeah. at that point. I wouldn't say tabla play, I was a student, but I still am. And uh, it is it is just uh, from that point, my parents were very upset that, you know, what are you doing? You know, what are you trying to do? And because of their devotion to Swamiji, and because Swamiji saw the spark in me also, he said, don't worry, you will be fine. Don't worry. And he kind of assured them that, don't worry, let him do this. And that was the most important thing for me because I needed them to be okay with it. Right. Because I needed their blessings. Uh, my mom was still very hesitant. My dad was kind of like, okay, whatever you do, make sure you do it well. That's all I want you. I want you to be serious about what you do. Whatever you do. So that was uh, advice I never forget, my, my dad's advice. And Swamiji was like the rock of Gibraltar for us. I mean, he was there for us. We didn't even think twice. All of us at Temple of Finance, we were like, you want to do the arts? Do it. We'll be taken care of. Don't worry. 
taken care of. We didn't know how, what, yeah. but till today, someone's there to look after. Some you. big hand is on my head, right. protecting me. I feel that. So um, yeah, so I I went to India again in '94, and I did a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature, which I'm <laughs> which I'm not anyone. So I'm speaking to you. So because I needed a visa. <laughs> for, for three years. You study anything that came by. <laughs> the simplest course I thought, but it wasn't. And uh, I studied tabla with another maestro in Pune, Ustad Mohammad Hanif Mirajkar. And I studied with him for the next six years. And in that period, that was, you know, fantastic, beautiful. So the English literature was just uh, an aside. <laughs> an aside. It was just a front to make sure. Because Swamiji also did tell me this. He said, whatever you do, get a degree. The most important basic thing you need is a degree. If you get a master's, even better. But you need this in the world today. You need that. You know, he was very practical. He didn't say, oh, you just, you know, just do your, your music. It was not that. It was, yeah, you've got to have something to fall back a little bit on in case you are, you know, in trouble. So I, from there, came back to Malaysia in 99 and uh, managed to work at the Temple of Finance as a teacher. I started, I started teaching very young. I mean, you know, you are more interested to perform at that point because your body is more geared up, your, your willpower, your fire is still burning and you want to, you want to sit down and, yeah, this is how you, you know, it takes time, it takes energy out of that. But somehow I had an inclination towards teaching because I was a student who suffered to learn. So when I saw the students suffering, I empathized with them because I was one of those, I wasn't a naturally gifted musician. I was someone who had to work for everything and I still have to work for it. Even two days I don't practice, I feel like it's going down. Right? I can immediately hear yeah. it's different. So I'm the kind of, there are students who are, uh, there are tabla players who are natural. That means even if they don't touch the instrument for days, they just go on the instrument and pop there, there, it's, it speaks, right? So I, when I empathize with the student, I found that they were picking up fast. I could, I could, I could pass down this thing to them easily, somehow. Um, and so teaching started very young for me and it was also an income which was more steady because your performances was fast at that point. Um, and uh, when Swamiji was around until 2005. Now what would a teacher earn at that um, time? Well, not much. Not la. much, not much, but it was enough for you enough. to... At that point I didn't have, I, I was married in 99 after I came back. So I didn't have kids till 2004 um, and and so that five years of teaching, slowly establishing my name. I mean, I, I didn't go about establishing anything. It just slowly happened by itself. Right. I, I didn't do anything consciously in terms of making a name. I, I don't think I ever ever did that. Or wanting to be rich? Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> and it just, things were coming to me. I, I noticed that things were coming. And my teacher, even in in Pune, Ustad Usman Khan, the sitar maestro, he lived a very Spartan life, but he had a philosophy of life which kind of resonated with Swamiji's way of thinking as well. Even though he was from a Muslim background family. You know, uh, this is something interesting, I, I think, for Indians who know a little bit of the culture. Uh, in India, if you're a Muslim family, you not pray to the Hindu gods and goddesses. That was not what you do. It was you go to the mosque and the Hindu musicians would play. play. But in Usmanji's family, he's uh, he's the seven uh, nine generations of Muslim family. So 
it traces back to a Hindu family, obviously. And he was a Rajput. He was from Rajasthan, originally, he said. So his grandfather was a great sitar maestro of the court of the Mysore Maharaja, or Mysore king. His grandfather was Ustad uh, Rahmat Khan. And he was known as the nine jewels of the court of the Mysore king. So he had this story. He said, one day Usmanji shared this story with me. And he said, I want you to know something. You got, you got married now. And I'm sure you're worried about finances. You're worried about taking care of your life. So he said, you know, my grandfather told me this story when I was 10 years old. I didn't understand it at that point. But now it all makes sense as I, as I'm a father and a grandfather even, he said. What I would say to you is, you know, he said, in this world, everybody worships Mahalakshmi. Mahalakshmi in Indian uh, Hinduism is uh, the goddess of wealth, prosperity. Everyone worships her. You go to anyone's house, you go to anyone, you'll see this photo of her. And everyone's worshipping her. And there's also the goddess of knowledge, Saraswati, of music and knowledge and arts. Very few houses have any kind of place for her. They said, yeah, it's okay, you know. Once a year they will pray to her maybe, you know, bless us to be good in school and blah, blah, blah. But no one really worships her on a very daily thing. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. So he said, he, grandfather who's Muslim, Ustad Rahmat Khan, says to Usmanji, he says, you know, uh, everybody worships Mahalakshmi, but you know her personality is something which is very easy to please. If you worship her for three, four days and even two days you don't look at her, she will still bless you. She will still bless you with, with wealth, whatever you need, you will get it, you know. But Saraswati is very hard to please, the goddess of learning, very hard to please her. She is someone who you have to chase every day. Every single day of your life you have to chase her. That means if you are a musician, you practice, you practice and you practice and you practice. And if one day, even one day you don't do it, she will turn her face away and say, oh, this boy is not serious about me. Okay. Very hard to please, you know. Wow. But if somehow, by God's grace, by her grace, you manage to please her, you know what she would do for you? She would pull Mahalakshmi by the ear <laughs> and say, give this boy what he needs in his life, you know. The wealth will come rolling. <laughs> she will bring the wealth to you, you know. This is what, this is what he told me. And I, you know, when I was, I was not very young. I was like 26 when I got married. And he said, he told me this story. For me, it really hit home because, oh wow. So basically, just concentrate on what my... What a lovely story. Yes. And yeah. it's, for me, what I've seen is, uh, as much as I know that my family has helped me and blah, 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 there's a lot of help from everywhere has been coming. So are you still devoted to yes. this goddess of, of you, learning? Yes, I, I am. Oh, wow. I am. And, and in fact, uh, three years ago, uh, I mean, I used to have a photo in my uh -huh, altar uh -huh. in the house and I used to pray. But three years ago, I managed to get a small idol. Idol. Uh, and, and so we've been doing the puja and things like that at home. Uh, so I feel that uh, <laughs> there is, I mean, it's, it, this is a belief, of course, it's, but it's worked for me. It's somehow, I, I, I guess what, what you believe in works. Mm. Like, you know? So mm. I, 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 I'm not saying this is the gospel, you know. I'm just saying that you need to have faith in what you do. You need to put your heart and soul in what you right. do. And things will start working out. If they don't now, then in, a, in some time. But be patient. Persevere. Perseverance is uh, underrated or, or not talked about today. Everyone wants things fast. You okay. Know. Uh, Prakash, yeah. time is uh, sure, running. And uh, we want, I yeah. especially, and the people out there, yeah. are dying to hear 
your tabla. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'd like to spend sure. a few minutes. Uh, sure. A few minutes. Now, the the reason uh, you you put the tabla uh, well covered is because of the the air and the cold and the, the heat moisture. and the thing. The Actually, moisture. it's the moisture which spoils this can spoil this black oh. center, which is made of iron the powder. The Iron powder. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is called, it's made of manganese oxide, which is a kind of iron, which creates this sound, metallic sound. If I stop this from vibrating, you get a flat skin sound. Ah. You don't get anything. Right. Here, if I don't let this vibrate, it becomes very high pitched. If I do this, Ew. it becomes oh my bass. God, such a great difference. Yes. So, uh, to maintain this, especially in humid Malaysia, we need to use a little bit of Johnson's powder. <laughs> Okay, and that's to keep the fingers. Branding someone. Yeah, branding going on here in case I get a endorsing gig. Yeah. But um, so basically, it has a language. Just a little bit of demonstration of the language. It's alphabets strung into words, strung into uh, sentences and paragraphs. So starting off with alphabets on the right hand on the edge, we have the vowels R and then E here and E. So you have ta, tin. Tita, tira, tita, all these sounds. So ta, na, tin, ti, tita, and then left hand you have ge, and then you have ke, right? And then you have combination of both hands. If I play ta and ge together, it becomes dha. It's a basi ta. So it becomes. If I put tin and ge together, it becomes din. So, and if I put tita. And K and T becomes T T T T, right? So all these, and then more and more syllables. I don't want to go on oh, too much. But there are many more. There are many more. So you have like dina, gena, tun, dira, dira. Different parts of the hand. I use the, the whole palm of the hand, uh, tips of the fingers here. So you have different. Um, so if I put it together something like say, if I say, da tira kita taka ta tira kita taka. This is sounding like this in my mouth. So if I say, it sounds like that, right? Da tira kita taka ta tira kita taka. Da tira kita taka ta tira kita taka. Now I add something to it. Let's say I say, da tira kita taka ta tira kita taka tira kita taka tira kita taka ta 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 tira kita taka ta So this is like a composition. It's like a small story, which has a story and then a small ending at the end. You know, so. These compositions are composed by maestros over hundreds of years, and then they pass it down orally, student to teacher to student to teacher wow. to student. And uh, this is not written down usually, oh. because the Indian tradition of religion and its music was always oral tradition. The reason for that was uh, there were so many things you couldn't write down. Oh. You could not write down. Now, for instance, now most of these I can write down, but expressions on the instrument, like for instance, the left hand here, 
I'm just playing it plain, right? Boom, just like that. But if I do, if I do, if I do, so there are so many things going on here. How do you write this down? The stroke is gay, but what you're doing with it, how do you write? So you teach them the sound. I say, da ge na te na ke den na. It's I write it down. It'll just be da ge na te na ke den na. You don't hear it on a paper, but if a teacher tells you da ge na te na ke den na, then you attempt to imitate his voice, and he goes. So you get that that whole thing, which can be cannot be written down. Right, and the same with the vocal music. You know, singing microtones. How do you write microtones down between one note and the next note? The microtones in between, the three microtones in between. How do you write it? You can't write that down. You can only hear it and remember it. And today you can record it, of course, with your phones. You can record it. But in those days, your brain was the recorder, your ear was the microphone, your eyes were the camera. You had to be the machine to learn. And if you are not equipped, Or able to learn, the teacher would say you can't learn. You're just not, you're not ready for it. So that kind of cut down the number of students who could actually, you know, needed a bit of help. So today we allow anyone to come and learn. We write it down. We say, okay, go home. You think about it. Take a video. Look at it. You will get it. You give them more leeway, and they do. You know, you just need to help them around, help them along the way, right? So this is the 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 tradition of Indian music where it was. Uh, also, a lot of secrecy because they didn't want to share, right? So that was that's amazing. I mean, uh, it's like uh, if you were a parent and you're hearing this uh, from uh, your children who start as young as eight or nine, you you can't be too young to to start this. No, you could. Um, you can. I, okay, I had as long as your body is fairly developed, you can get a smaller size tabla. You can. You can. How young so can six, you? Can five, you be? You can do, but what I I find about five it's six. It's like those little fellows who play the piano. Yeah, you can. And yeah. in fact, in India, if you look at the videos, they see some amazing talent who ah. started at very young age. But the important thing is what I do want to tell. Uh, what I feel is important to say to parents, if you're watching this, uh, even whatever instrument you're learning, whether it's a Western instrument, listening to music, watching music is very important. That creates the impressions in your mind. If you only go for class and you come back home and don't do anything, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, there's a saying: five minutes of instruction, fifty fifty uh, five hours of uh, practice, fifty hours of listening. This is the the ratio. Your instruction from the teacher is just five minutes. I teach you how to play this. You got it. Now you practice five hours to get it, and then you listen to other people playing it and say, "Hey, wow, we can sound like that." Also, so there's this progression of. You learn something, you work on getting it, and then you work on improving it because you've heard yeah. how people play it. You know how it can be played if you practice more, right? So this ratio is something parents don't understand. They say, "Oh, you come for class once a week, and then why is he not playing? Is he doing the other part of the class that is the most important class at home, practicing?" It's not the fees you're paying which is giving you the knowledge. It is the time you're spending with the instrument which is going to give you that knowledge and skill. Mm. Because it's not just knowledge; it's a knowledge plus the skill. Mm. You have to understand the rhythms. You have to understand the cycles you're learning in. The, mm. You've memorize. got a you've got a whole wealth of this knowledge. Wonderful, yeah. Prakash. I mean, 
Uh, it brings, uh, it brings, uh, you know, it tears at my heartstrings to to know that there is so much of learning yeah. one can do if we we want. That's right. If we want to do it, I mean, there's such wonderful stories, Prakash. Yeah, thank you. But can I just ask you one one question before we uh, call it a wrap? And that is, how do you see your? You are now. 50 is going to be next year, yeah, 50 years yeah. old. Yeah. And uh, a, a father to two beautiful daughters. How do you see the future for not just you, you, your wife, your children, future for the artist, for the artist, doesn't matter whether you're Indian, Malay, Chinese. How do you see the future for the artist, especially in this country? You know, we often get asked yeah. this question. Yeah. Uh, parents ask this question. What is my child going to be doing if you study the arts yeah what do you what is your advice what is i think if okay number one is um, this may sound controversial a little bit i think many times many professions you can choose the profession you can decide to become an engineer if you find that you're good at science if you find that you're good at certain mathematics you can choose to be uh, bio biologist or or scientists, or you have an aptitude towards that, and you can study for it and get it. But in the arts, I really believe the arts chooses you, and you have no real choice in this, because it eats you inside. It pushes you from inside. It says, you got to do this, then you're going to feel good about yourself. And when you feel good about yourself, the people who come into contact with you will feel good about themselves as well. When you are miserable, the people around you are going to be miserable. <laughs> Right? You know, I'm not talking about money here. I'm not talking about money. And I find sometimes that, yes, we do need, we do need the, the money. We do need to survive. And uh, the feeling good part is the important. It's going to attract all these things to you also. Yeah. I think you become a magnet to good things. If you are feeling harmonious with your intentions and with your aspirations inside you, your ambitions, though it is scary, it is very scary. But you know, sometimes, there are certain things you do, even when you're scared, you say, no, I have to do it. And if you feel like that about your art form, whatever it is, if you feel strongly, then understand that you've been chosen by it. And then you pursue it, whether anyone's going to say that, you will fight the world to do it because you really want it. But it cannot be put in the same way of studying engineering. Because many people study engineering and they do something else with their life. They do real estate agency. They're good at selling things. Or they go into something else later. But they have to get a degree. They have to feel secure. Have... So you go, you pass the exams, you do everything. Fine, great, wonderful. But you're still feeling empty inside. Something is not fulfilled. Then that was not really for you, but you had to do it. You had to feel that, okay, I have done that. Now I, I, I can feel secure that I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get this X number of dollars a month. But really, is that life? Is that living your life? Or is that just existing? Or is something inside you still burning inside and wanting you to... Get to express to, come out. to express your whole being as a, as a full being, not just as an intellectual being or a physical being, or not as an emotional being, but all three things, my mind, my emotions, my body, they all have to come together to make me feel wonderfully whole and hopefully touch someone else and they feel, I want to feel whole like that too. So how do I get there? It's scary. It's scary. And parents, you're going to be scared. And I, as a parent have the full mm. right to say that I am also scared about my daughters if they want to get into the arts. But you must allow yourself. I, I, will, I will try to, yeah. you know, say that, yeah. But 
I would say get a degree. Like how I got a degree. Get a degree. Do something in that. Because the arts is never going to leave you. But get something to hold in your hand as well. You need something there in the event. Always, you know, safer to be careful. So my advice about the future, if you ask me, that was your question about the future. I mean, it has survived centuries, the arts, without the help of money or without the help of social media, without the help of media or press or anything. It has come down, the art of playing tabla has come down 500 years at least. It's still here today. It's growing with the help of all those things. How did it survive? It will find a way. It will find the person through which it will survive. Who has the guts to let it survive. It will find it. Not me. I'm not going to be, I, I'm not a caretaker of it. It takes care of the artists who decide. Who wants to. Who wants to do it. I believe that. I believe that. Because I've asked myself this question as well. I mean, what are you doing? Sometimes I ask myself, are you crazy? Like, are you crazy? What are you doing? And the answer is yes, I'm crazy. And my wife, thank God, she's a musician as well. She understands. My children, they understand the limitations I have on, on spending. We do. But they seem all okay. You know, they, they seem okay about it. So I guess you attract the people who will be conducive or they all are vibrating at the same emotional level who say, yeah, that's fine. Fine, Dad, you're, you're okay. You know? Mm. So I think there's no real advice I can give except that love what you do. I think whatever it is, ask yourself whether you really want to do this and then do it. And take that jump, leap of faith. Have a degree. If And honestly, I do feel that if for music, don't do, don't have to do a degree. You can learn music. You can learn music. Music has got nothing to do with paper qualifications. You can learn it. It's an art form. You get a degree in something else if you want. Get get it in something else which requires a lot of academic exploration, and you need to exercise your brains. Get that. Get it done. But after that, focus on what you want to do. And if that works out, fine. Yeah, that's my answer to... Thank you, Prakash. Thank yeah. you so much for... It, it has been a wonderful uh, half an hour, more or less, and really, I'm so glad to be speaking to you today, and I hope uh, you are happy too. Thank you. Yeah, to thank you talking. so much for, for calling me. And, and uh, we hope that the audience out there will wanting, wanting to touch base with you and wanting sure. to know more and yeah. They are more than welcome, right? Yes, of course. Thank of course. you so much and bless you. Thank you so much. And bless you and the, the tabla and the music and all those wonderful people who have yes. come before you. Yes. Thank you so much.